Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit saymythyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and as you know, the main goal of this podcast is to help people with hyperthyroidism save their thyroid. And while there's a time and place for conventional medical treatment, in my opinion, you should do everything you can to avoid radioactive iodine and thyroid surgery. So in this podcast, I will focus on radioactive iodine as I will discuss three reasons to avoid this treatment. And so let's get started. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, make sure to subscribe on your podcast player. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now, let's head to the show. Welcome back to the Save My Thyroid podcast. This is Dr. Eric Osansky, and in this episode, I'm going to discuss three reasons why you should avoid radioactive iodine. Now, before I begin, I want to let you know that I'm not completely opposed to conventional medical treatment. I realize that there is a time and place for thyroid surgery, and many of my patients do take anti-thyroid medications, such as methimazole. However, when it comes to radioactive iodine, in most cases, maybe even in all cases, I think that this should be avoided. And during this episode, I will discuss why. So let's go ahead and get started. And The first reason is because radioactive iodine obviously does not do anything to address the cause of the condition. So endocrinologists, we we all know endocrinologists don't do anything for the underlying cause. And by not addressing the underlying cause of the condition, this could lead to other health issues in the future. For example, someone with Graves' disease is more likely to develop other autoimmune conditions in the future if the autoimmune component isn't addressed. And for those with toxic multinodule goiter, Some of the common causes include insulin resistance and problems with estrogen metabolism, and ideally, these need to be addressed as well. A second reason why you should not receive radioactive iodine is because the quality of life is worse in those who receive radioactive iodine. And again, this isn't me just saying this, this is according to the research. And so although some earlier studies showed that the quality of life is similar among patients treated with antithyroid drugs, radioactive iodine, or thyroid surgery... A more recent study didn't confirm this. So this study involved 1,186 patients with Graves' disease and 347 patients were treated with antithyroid drugs only, 395 patients treated with radioactive iodine, and 233 patients treated with surgery. Quality of life was assessed using two different questionnaires at an average of eight years after the diagnosis of Graves' disease. Among the three treatment groups, patients who received radioactive iodine treatment had worse thyroid-specific quality of life scores than patients treated with antithyroid drugs or surgery. The radioactive iodine therapy group had worse scores for the following, hyperthyroid symptoms, goiter symptoms, fatigue, anxiety, depression, emotional susceptibility, impaired social life, impaired daily life, impaired sex life, 
And in addition, the study also showed that those who receive radioactive iodine had worse scores in hypothyroid symptoms, as well as eye symptoms and appearance in the antithyroid drug group. It's important to mention that the patients in both the surgery and antithyroid drug group were younger than those in the radioactive iodine group, 54 years compared to 35 years for those in the surgery group and 43 for the antithyroid drug group, and more patients in a radioactive iodine therapy group had other medical conditions that may affect quality of life, but these factors alone didn't explain the decreased quality of life. So a third reason why you should consider avoiding radioactive iodine is because radioactive iodine might cause or exacerbate thyroid eye disease. And not only do studies show this, but I've also seen people receive radioactive iodine and either develop thyroid eye disease or experience an exacerbation of their existing thyroid eye disease condition. In the former case, the people probably had mild thyroid eye disease without symptoms, and then when they received radioactive iodine, they developed overt eye symptoms. So while many endocrinologists won't recommend radioactive iodine treatment for those with active thyroid eye disease, this doesn't mean that radioactive iodine can't cause overt thyroid eye disease in those without eye symptoms. So you do want to be very cautious. So how does radioactive iodine cause or exacerbate thyroid eye disease? Well, apparently radioactive iodine leads to prolonged worsening of autoimmunity against a TSH receptor. Taking steroids after receiving radioactive iodine might prevent an exacerbation of thyroid eye disease, and so this is something to consider. And this is especially true with someone who has had grave disease for less than five years, as there is an increased risk of new or reactivated thyroid eye disease. You might wonder, is thyroid surgery a better option? While you want to do everything you can to avoid radioactive iodine, there is no denying that there are also risks of getting thyroid surgery, of getting a thyroidectomy. There are increased complications with patients 70 and older, a history of congestive heart failure, smoking history, bleeding disorders, and some other health conditions. However, complications can occur even in those without these risk factors mentioned. So one of the most concerning complications of thyroid surgery is injury to the recurrent laryngeal nerve. And this in turn can cause unilateral vocal cord paralysis, thus causing hoarseness, changes in vocal pitch, as well as noisy breathing. One study involving 11,370 patients showed that recurrent laryngeal nerve injury occurred in nearly 6% of thyroid surgeries. And there are other risks of thyroid surgery as well, such as damage to the parathyroid glands. So as I mentioned earlier, neither radioactive iodine treatment or thyroid surgery is desirable as there are risks of both procedures, which is why for most people with hyperthyroidism, I recommend trying to address the underlying cause of the problem. If someone has a non-autoimmune hyperthyroid condition such as toxic multinodule goiter, while you also want to try to address the cause of the condition, there obviously isn't a risk of developing or exacerbating thyroid eye disease after radioactive iodine. But how about long-term anti-thyroid medication? because this is also an option to consider. Maybe not so much in the United States, even though there are some endocrinologists that may be open to this, but see it more commonly in other countries. And while taking antithyroid medication doesn't do anything to address the cause of the condition, there are some people who do find taking lower doses of antithyroid medication for many years. So when I say lower doses, for example, if they take a low-dose methimazole, maybe 5 milligrams a day, or even sometimes half a tablet, 2.5 milligrams per day, And so this is also an option to consider for managing the symptoms for those who struggle to get into remission. Obviously, if you're not struggling to get into remission, if everything's going smoothly, then you probably don't need any of these treatments, radioactive iodine, thyroid surgery, or long-term antithyroid medication. So according to the research, long-term treatment with antithyroid medication is safe, especially in low dose and in adults, indicating that it should be considered an alternative treatment to radioactive iodine as well as thyroid surgery. 
So again, ultimately, your goal should be to do everything you can to restore your health. But if for any reason you're unsuccessful in doing this, there might be options other than resorting to radioactive iodine or thyroid surgery. So that's, that's why I'm bringing it up. I'm not encouraging people to stay on long-term, low-dose antithyroid medication. But if someone is unable to get into remission, and, and most people who are unable to get remission, they haven't tried doing anything else to address the cause of the problem. But if you happen to do something to address the cause of the problem, follow a natural treatment protocol to find your triggers, underlying imbalances, and that's not helping. And the endocrine is pressuring you to receive radioactive iodine or to get thyroid surgery, you might want to discuss low-dose antithyroid medication on a long-term basis. So let's go ahead and summarize everything. So radioactive iodine should be avoided in most, and again, perhaps all cases of hyperthyroidism. One reason is because it does not address the underlying cause of the condition. Reason number two is because quality of life is worse than those who receive radioactive iodine. And again, this is according to the research. Reason number three is because radioactive iodine can cause or exacerbate thyroid eye disease. So again, if someone has thyroid eye disease, it can exacerbate this. But if someone doesn't have eye symptoms, maybe they have an underlying thyroid eye disease condition that they're not aware of, and then they receive the radioactive iodine, and all of a sudden they're experiencing thyroid eye disease. And then also there are risks of receiving thyroid surgery. So thyroid surgery is an option to consider for those who don't receive radioactive iodine. But of course, there are risks with thyroid surgery as well. And then I also discussed how low-dose medication, low-dose antithyroid medication, such as methimazole, might also be an option to consider in cases where someone is struggling to get into remission. But of course, overall, the goal should be to do everything you can to address the root cause, to address the underlying cause, to find your triggers, correct the underlying imbalances, And that is all I wanted to discuss regarding why you should avoid radioactive iodine. So if you are thinking about receiving radioactive iodine, then again, my goal is not to try to talk you out of getting radioactive iodine, but just to educate you reasons why you might want to think twice about getting radioactive iodine. And maybe you'll decide to get surgery over radioactive iodine or I mentioned also the low-dose methimazole, low-dose antithyroid medication. But hopefully you also have done things to look into the cost, to address the cost of the problem. If not, I definitely would start there. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review. Thank you so much for tuning in. In the last episode, I briefly mentioned goitrogenic foods, specifically cruciferous vegetables such as broccoli. These are foods that can potentially inhibit thyroid production. Now, for those with hyperthyroidism, it might sound like a good idea to eat plenty of cruciferous veggies in order to attempt to lower your thyroid hormone levels. The problem is that this probably won't work. And I know this because in the past, I tried using raw cruciferous vegetables in some of my hyperthyroid patients, specifically pregnant women who did not want to take antithyroid medication and couldn't take natural agents such as bugleweed. I tried having them eat larger amounts of raw cruciferous vegetables, but it didn't really help to lower their thyroid hormone levels. So I just wanted to let you know that eating broccoli as well as other cruciferous vegetables probably won't have much of an impact on your thyroid hormone levels. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, 
milk thistle and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatoimmune Supreme, visit savemythyroid.com forward slash liver support.